Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am. I am joined, as I am always joined, by the maternal, martial, and monumental Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? Oh, you must have rolled a four on that first one, because I don't know how maternal I am. But <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there is this salty, kind of Southern California atmosphere that just entered the room, and I'm not sure what it is. I mean, are there people here? Like, I feel like there are people here. I can't see them. I don't know where they are. Are they... I mean, it feels like they, they maybe they're, they're like in this maze that's got all this arcana surrounding it. So they have this magic. Maybe they're invisible. I mean, oh, oh my God. It's Rudy Rudenberg and Satine Phoenix. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. For a second there, I thought that saltiness was, uh, was Mama Merwin, uh, hanging no, out. No, the saltiness is definitely Rudy Rudenberg. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> Well, you both run games uh, on Twitch, but like, is, was he the salty uh, dungeon master? By far, I'm the consequences dungeon master. Satine is the the pretty flowers and birds. Until and- I <laughs> murder everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took an arm. Okay, <laughs> that's salty. It, the blood tastes like salt anyway. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Uh, for you folks at home, today what we're going to be talking about is mostly what Rudy and Satine are working on, all their work in and surrounding Dungeons and & Dragons, a little bit more than that. Uh, but before we get to that, Sean, do you have an announcement that you'd like to share with everybody? I'm going to keep this short. I just have one announcement this week. Uh, the Secret Identity Podcast uh, put out its last episode recently, and for me, it was one of the first podcasts I started listening to 12 years ago. I didn't even know Man. the internet was around 12 years ago, but it it was. <laughs> and over 800 episodes and over 2,000 hours of content, um, these two guys did uh, introduce me to podcasting first and foremost, and I think they did a great job. So I wanted to just wish them Godspeed and best wishes. So uh, Brian Latendra and Matt, Matt Man Herring, uh, good luck on your future ventures, and thank you for all that you did for podcasting, for geek culture for comics and for podcasting again. So there you go. Thanks. Well, sounds like you found out what their identities were. Was that a, an episode 800 reveal? I, be- I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. Man, that's a lot of, it's a lot of episodes. Like, I mean, I look at the misdirected Mark website sometimes and like, I know how many posts we have that are, that are audio based. Like we have something like 900 and change these days, but we have 10 podcasts. So one podcast to do 800 episodes, that's a ton of episodes. Holy Lord. I'm going to have a panic attack just thinking about it. Yeah, like really, guys. Come on. <laughs> they were doing two a week. They would do one on just comic oh. books and then one on geek culture. And they, these weren't short. These were over an hour each. So you can imagine. Man. Yeah. But, I mean, they talked to all of the, you know, all the movers and shakers in the comic book world. Plus, when the movie started coming out, you know, they were getting actors and, and writers from the movies, uh, musicians, anything to do with geek culture. All of the gaming uh, worlds were board games, uh, role-playing games, they touched it all. So uh, that's why I, I think I should draw attention to to their accomplishment. Yeah, that sounds incredible. I mean, just to to kind of break down what a lot of that has to, what, what that many episodes says is I think Satine and I have gone through, we're probably just over 120 or so, oh I God. think, individual um, individual programs as far as Twitch has gone 
And those are roughly running about three to four hours each. So that's a lot of hours, but that's all compacted into one episode of a thing. So 800, even the the brain power it takes to map 800 episodes is a lot. Yeah, because then you have the editing and the planning. So like, just that's a whole day's oh, worth yeah. of work. Man, man, we feel the yeah. weight. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you guys are carrying a lot of a uh, lot of gaming weight yourselves with all that you're working on, especially when you talk about streaming video, not just podcasting. So let, let's talk about that since we're here. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, tell us about Maze Arcana. Where, how did it start and where has it uh, come to? I blame Chris Lindsay because yeah. he made playing fun. Uh, I <laughs> See, he made playing fun. Uh, basically, I met Rudy Rutenberg at Meltdown Comics. There was a big Force Grey premiere, I think it was. It was, a, it was one of the Force Grey premieres, but it was the season five launch which uh i we were playing mr merwin's uh single five single series yeah yeah Yeah, for that one so uh and satine and i just happened to actually be the only people at the table role playing uh (laughs) we won't call out the other people that are at the table because some of them were my friends role playing we are i was like you you like to play like I like to play. And then we started talking and it turns out he has as much energy as I do. And we both like Dungeons and Dragons. So we should, you know, make a show or yeah. three or five. I don't know how many, how many we're at, <laughs> but uh, we had a great time playing with Chris Lindsay and he really saw kind of the, uh, the genesis of what we, how we wanted to play a yeah. game and how we wanted to start doing things, I guess with, I mean, I think he was the one that brought, I don't remember who brought up the idea of streaming. Well, um, because I, uh, my relationship with Meltdown, basically in 2010, I started Celebrity Charity 20, where I had Keith Baker as the main dungeon master and quickly was introduced to a few people, Jason Charles Miller and Matt Mercer and other friends who were like, hey, I want want a dungeon master for you for this event. So we started streaming back then. Of course, it wasn't anything remotely as cool as it is now. It was like, hey, guys, I've got a really crazy idea. Let's put four cameras, like four groups of people in the same room with like those um, mics that sit in the middle of the table and catch everybody's audio. Yeah, we're going to do all four tables in one room and catch everybody's audio and on one web page with four videos going at the same time. Uh, yeah, it's evolved <laughs> since then. But that's basically how... Um, you know, I'd been doing that for a while and then I got into a car accident mm. and stopped doing it. And when I met Rudy, I was like, man, I just don't have the brain power, like actual brain capabilities to do this on my own. And um, I was like, hey, I want to I want to do shows, but I also want to do the charity event again. Let's use that as the um, test to see how well we work together. And it turns out we work amazing together. Yeah. I had just turned in a screenplay. So I had a little bit of free time on my hands and I didn't realize what kind of time this kind of a thing required, but we basically put together the entire charity thing within, uh, two weeks, two weeks, uh, which was incredible, especially for the fact of, uh, wrangling a table of D and D players to all show up at one place at one time is excruciating enough uh, when you think that we did five, basically. Well, I mean, these people, they, they'd been 
coming every year and they're right. like totally ready for the next yeah. one because it's super fun. Well, You're uh, playing Eberron. Yeah, and I think it's really cool <laughs> to to note that Matt Mercer's first live streaming kind of event was during the uh, in an AL style like just a bunch of tables in a room and a bunch of people yelling over each other, yeah. uh, which is awesome. Uh, and so Satine kind of came from Meltdown and the more uh, wizard side of D&D where she knew some of the people from D&D uh, and she had been, uh, she'd talked to Chris Lindsay, I guess, or talked to Nathan cool. before. And then I came more from the Adventures League side where I had come up uh, starting out at some of the local cons here, uh, local gaming stores, and then, uh, getting my way into gaming. And I remember the, I think it was the season two epic with uh, the Elemental Evil storyline where it was the first time I noticed that there were people standing up watching uh, me dungeon master the table. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Well, that's because you're a cartoon. I am. And I get up and I'm, <laughs> I'm very mobile. Uh, but that was kind of like the thing that when she was like, hey, do you want to do this uh, streaming thing? I was like, yeah, I think we're probably entertaining enough of cartoons to to pull something like that off. Yeah. Awesome. So how did Eberron get into the mix? So I, I met Keith Baker uh, in 2008 or nine through Zach Smith, and it was instant best friends. He's like, hey, I made Eberron. Would you like to play in my game? It's a bunch of monsters. You get to play monsters. And I was like, what? So right after that first game, we we're like, okay, look. We have to do stuff together. Let's do this charity event together. So really, it's been Keith and I until like Rudy came along, like for the last what seven years now. And um, I had no idea that he was asking Dungeons and Dragons permission to use Eberron in our games. I was like, "Oh, hey, Keith, write this thing. We'll stream it. I'm sure it's legal." He's like, "Yeah, I'll f I'll fix that part." <laughs> so when Rudy and I were like, "Let's do Maze Arcana and Eberron," just because I'm obsessed with Warforge and like the kind of magic and scions and all that, um, we were like, "Oh, I guess we should ask permission." Who do we ask? Yeah, that game master that you're playing with, that's the guy you're supposed to ask permission. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he had a good time with us. And then the three of us also have become best friends yeah. and it's just been really amazing to be the only people allowed to stream eberron that is really cool it's uh, my my favorite setting that's that exists so i mean i mean yeah i'm with you with the, the warforged and the and the lightning rails and the houses and all the intrigue and the fact that you were probably playing monsters from droam so that's pretty cool too Drum's yep. my favorite place. So it was really cool uh, to kind of think back on that whenever we tell that story about how we got started and uh, think that uh, Chris Lindsay and Satine are two of my best friends now because of sitting down to play D&D. &D. Uh, and Eberron is just uh, incredible to me. It's There's so many things. And it actually, the funny thing is that Eberron made Faerun more rich and palpable to me because you can see where, oh, look, it's not all just like a vanilla setting. There are differences here. There are things that stand out and reasons why you should uh, take a little time and explore each one of the material planes uh, and then go off into the other planes as well. But the just the time uh, that you can spend reading all of those things or the time that I got to spend, I'm incredibly fortunate that I got to sit and create most of the fifth edition material for Eberron so far with Keith, uh, so that our our game that we were live streaming was up to date, mm -hmm. and we got the blessing to do that and to make it all uh, notched up. Oh, we haven't really released anything like that, but 
mostly because we like the license and being able to stream it and we don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Eberron is so rich. It's probably, I mean, I love Forgotten Realms. I'm actually learning Forgotten Realms as we're playing in these Twitch streams for Dungeons and Dragons. I'm longtime Eberron fan, but it's just amazing to see like how more, how much more fantasy Eberron is. Uh, in my head anyway you've got you know sharn and you've got the talenta plains well i guess now we all everybody plays the dinosaurs and all the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah now there's dinosaurs <laughs> all over the place but it's just it's like it's like magic on steroids like fantasy on crack yeah and we could <laughs> we could probably sit here and do an entire hour on just the things we've figured out yeah. about uh <laughs> about eberron since we started getting in there and uh the amount of eberron that i've consumed over the last year. Uh, but we, we miss, uh, we, we had to take a little hiatus on that for the holidays and we already miss that Ugh. grouping of it. We, we found out that if we continued that game during, uh, November and December, we would have only been able to stream like one day during yeah. each of those. So we were like, you know, why don't we just go ahead and take a break and we'll figure things out and come back afterwards. Um, cause cons conventions, conventions are everywhere. Oh my God. So that <laughs> I think we did 15 this year. That's Orphan's Echo, right? That's that's the game that you're talking about. Yeah, Orphan Echo. Uh, I don't it's, know why don't, there's an S got added onto that. But I don't know why I always do that. It's just Orphan Echo. Um, well, it's not your fault. I think Tito did it. Yeah, <laughs> and then it just like people just keep saying it because we have Sirens of the Realm and Fury's Fate. So why not Orphan's Echo? <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, that makes more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming back in January then. Uh, yeah, we, well, we expect it to be January, uh, late January or early February. There's a lot of stuff we have to finish up and we have some phone calls with, uh, Watsi, uh, coming up that will kind of solidify more what that schedule will look yeah. like. Also, um, yeah, it's just a lot to plan. People don't understand, you know, like when we do these shows, we put a lot of extra effort in, probably unnecessary, but we just love doing it so much. Like the intros. I did all the illustrations. Rudy edited the whole thing. Our friend Matthias Omotola did all the 3D graphics. And that actually takes a lot of time. So um, with whatever we come up with for the next one, if we even have time to come up with one for the next one, that those are things that people don't consider when uh, when we are doing our shows. Because we could just take the easy road and be like, okay, face in boxes, it's fine. But because this is our craft and our art, um, it's more to us than just slapping face boxes on the screen more to us there's a quote slapping (laughs) slapping face boxes that's my talking heads cover band that's a great one (laughs) uh your streams are amazing like i love i love all that stuff that you were just talking about like i they're they make them a, a notch a notch up like they they sit in there with things like um you know ashes of elkana i mean things like that so thank you wow thank you that's uh that's a really big thing because uh we're uh, we like Will a lot, and he does a lot of uh, he does a lot of really great stuff. But oh, he's helped me um, just by having me on tabletop. Has been the most uh, obviously like I'm a very specific creature, and he's helped <laughs> me become very welcome in the in the tabletop space, and it's very special. Yeah, but that's that was kind of our first foray foyer for into um <laughs> into twitch and twitch in and of itself is almost a full-time job and then we also had to open up a patreon uh early on because you couldn't be a subscriber uh initially until you got partnered on twitch they just came out with an affiliate program which helps uh some smaller streamers quite a bit but the 
you know, having to work on a Patreon, put stuff out there, having to work on Twitch stuff and make sure that looks appropriate. And I'm obsessive artist, so I have to make sure it looks right. (laughs) And then we're both sitting here troubleshooting our uh, equipment, which we all have. We we got professional equipment through either sponsorships or partnerships or uh, just our own uh, credit cards and really put a a nice thing together that we can be proud of uh, like she said it's not slap face boxes so we're we're really happy with what we're doing but it's just the two of us every now and then we get some extra help that comes from uh somewhere but not always does that help stick around for very long so you know it's one of those things where we're trying our best to keep everything in line even when they get put down and we have to go and pick up another one and then <laughs> go back and forth um so it's it's great, but it gave us it put us in the spotlight enough for Wizards to say, "Hey, we like what you do. Why don't you come run some games for us in Faerun, which we are having a blast doing." Oh my goodness! Our first campaign was called Fury's Reach, and it was the uh, it was both of us running basically dual dungeon mastering uh, two groups that were crisscrossing uh, paths in Chult uh, while trying to figure out what was kind of the precursors to the whole Tomb of Annihilation storyline. Mm-hmm. And that had that was rife with different struggles and, and dangers, not just for the players, but also as a representation of what Dungeons & Dragons looks like for real. Uh, Satine had somebody die um, and... Character. A character a die. Character Thank you. Died. That's probably I, It was one of those really <laughs> terrible, pointless ones, not like a cool sacrifice or anything. Yeah. And man, that really affects you. So, so the player was really upset about that as well. <laughs> and then we also had some communication issues that you can see one way or the other uh, on the stream. You know, other than the unhappy and not, not too pointed death, what was it like to weave that story with two DMs? <laughs> it got easier as we went only because uh, I had spent some time doing uh, film and television writing. I'd worked uh, collaboratively with other writers. And the, one of the hardest things for a writer to do is let go of the baby uh, mm. of their work. You I'm know? a lone wolf and I'm learning how to work with others. <laughs> yeah. So, so Satine over the course of the, the first few weeks basically learned how a writer's room functions and how we went from blue sky to, to the next episode uh, plot points and, and how to go, but well, also no, no, we were no. doing Those that Those are live. things that I knew, but I learned how to do them with you. And I right. think that's the biggest thing about Double Dungeon Masters is everyone brings something to the table, but man, merging brain matter, like that's really hard because you have your idea and you want to hold on to that. And especially you have two very strong personalities who uh, have very strong and fabulous ideas. Right. And so to finish what I was going to say is in a group setting where we're working together to figure out what the uh, different plots and story points are going to be as they're evolving. Because each week, sometimes the groups didn't do what we expected them to do, as every DM knows. Sometimes they went completely off track and we ended up losing a day worth of travel time that we expected to have. So making sure that they intertwined when they needed to so that the plot points got revealed for both groups simultaneously. Without uh, railroading them, which is really hard because you have two game masters and two stories that uh, you have to hit these major plot points and you have to make them think that it was their idea. And yeah, it was it was quite a feat. And I feel like we did it very well. 
pretty well in 24 episodes because you did you dm'd 12 i dm'd 12 is like the, the lead on that one so and then those gave birth to fury's fate which is basically the aftermath of that and we're about five episodes or six episodes into the season yeah. right now and sirens of the realms which satine was super excited uh, okay. uh something that we had talked about well what did you, did you want to wait and segue a no no way? no i gotta ask a question about this thing sirens of the realm so first off like Episode 150 of the Misdirector Mark podcast, one of the other podcasts on the show, we did a whole episode that was Battle Battle of the Bards. So we love bards. <laughs> we love bards around Misdirector yeah. Mark. We just do. Also, it's an all-girl bard band. We love that even That's more. Right. So I really need <laughs> to know what the premise is of Sirens of the Realms and um, what the adventures that they're going on are are all about. Um, well, I, <laughs> I designed this so that they will uh, – hopefully we'll get more than one season – but there was a mysterious elf band manager wizard who uh, wanted to get together an adventuring team to fight evil. But um, season one is basically the finding the characters, getting them together and just there's a, there's a, an underlying story, but at this point I'm just hoping that they get back to water deep. <laughs> like this seems to be the hardest thing. <laughs> But really, it's them on tour and learning the world. So we're for people out there who are wondering about Dungeons and Dragons and what the world is like, which I'm trying to hit up all the major uh, cities along the Sword Coast so that you can get a sense of, of what it's like. Like, I had no idea that Om is Beverly Hills. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> you know, like, that's been a really fun thing to explore. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of bards um, on tour through Faerun. And it's uh it's also a continuation still of what we did to get to begin with. We we actually pitched that idea, not the entirety of it, but I think everybody's had the idea of like, oh, let's let's do an all wizard group or let's do an all rogue group or something along those lines. Yeah, these are multi class, which is really important because it gives the characters more depth, I feel. Um also it picks up right where Fury's Reach left off. So some of the characters from Fury's Reach are actually still in it. <laughs> yeah, they so, make appearances and Yeah, like um one of the ships from Fury's Reach ended up taking the girls off into a thing. I don't want to spoil anything because it's actually really fun how they decide to get where they need to go. <laughs> right. But yeah, so there's other characters are weaving in and out, and we want to keep that consistent with what Mazar Khan is doing. Mm -hmm. Like with Orphan Echo, uh that is uh, we've been weaving bits and pieces of the different side stories like peanut gallery and savage nation in and out of that. So we're trying to keep that consistent with what we're doing with wizards. Right. So if you look at the trajectory of it, you can actually see like how we've kind of, we kind of had a loose plan for where we wanted these things to go from the time we pitched it initially, what our, what our initial story campaign idea was. So setting up uh fury's reach allowed us to kind of move off into a, a shared universe idea where we don't actually have to be running the exact same group, but we needed to do that initially to lay the groundwork uh, for what we were trying to do. It's so much more fun too. When all of a sudden you have a character on in this part of the world mention something that was back from episode six of a whole different series. Yeah. You know, like that, uh, it just is so amazing to me, kind of like what Marvel and DC are doing. Yeah, the the cinematic universe. Well, it sounds like what you're doing is you're taking all the, the training that you have in, in writing for television and whatnot and figuring out how to actually apply that 
into uh, role-playing games, which are uh, a little bit more malleable at the back end, as you mentioned before, with you know characters not necessarily doing exactly what you think they're going to do. So you have to make sort of adjustments on the fly in ways that maybe you don't have to in in the TV writing room. Yeah. Yeah, those characters in TV tend to kind of show themselves to you during the writing process, whereas our characters tend to show themselves to us uh, or stick their tongues out mm-hmm. at us in the middle of a stream. <laughs> so we kind of have to roll with, oh, that's what you're going to do today. Oh, that's I love it so much. Interesting because you told me that was not a thing that you were interested in now all of a sudden <laughs> or something along those lines. Well, it's really fun. Like for with what I'm doing, it's... You know, it's Dungeons and Dragons, but it's more these like these girls at my table and even the guests, they come on, they have permission to do more than they've been able to do in other games. You know, I like to play with them with what they want and give them spaces to role play, like super heavy role play, less combat, more interaction and how they interact with the world and just how they interact together. And that I think has like been the most amazing experience of all of these um, with the accumulation of all the shows that we've been doing is understanding what the players want, what we're allowed to give to the audience and how to dance between the three. Because, you know, when you're running a normal D and D game, you don't have to worry about pace as much as we do, but you also don't have to worry about sitting up straight and not eating on camera Mm -hmm. and not cross talking. Those are all things that are cross talks, a big one. Yeah, at the conventions, I've actually like, okay, here's my house rules. No crosstalk, don't drop your dice, and listen to the other players, and heavy role play. Yeah. Like, those are super important. I even find that in the convention area, especially when it's super loud, um, people are more attentive to each other and make more interesting choices because they're allowed, they, they have the permission to pay attention. Yeah, they can, uh, and, and we get to see that, we get to put that to... Uh, good use when we're on our talking head stream uh, with Chris uh, <laughs> for one grung above where we actually get to play for once uh, and we get to play grungs. Satine is the, I'm the uh, boss. She's the orange grung leader, Datan Khan. <laughs> and I play the only little green. Lowercast. I'm the lowest you, on the totem pole. Yeah. I'm a giant killer now, but that's, you know, just a title. <laughs> But even like that kind of role playing, right? It's so much fun because Rudy and I aren't allowed to talk to each other during the <laughs> show because of the cast system for Grung. Yeah, which is awesome. So the physical comedy comes into play there. Oh, it's hilarious. Well, we have to talk between yeah. uh, Lauren Obocrazy's character. Yeah, Lauren Urban uh, from uh, Drunk da- Dr- Drunken Dra- Drunk Drunken Dr- and Dragons. Oh, I think Drunken and Dragons. Drunken and Flagon. <laughs> Dragon. Dragons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's fantastic as our middleman, <laughs> Purple Grung, uh, named Bangarang. Bang! Um, so Satine tells Bang to tell me something. Right so, in front of you. Right in front of me. <laughs> so uh, you get to see how Lauren softens it or how Lauren puts emphasis on things as a good NCO would uh, to a private. But the funny thing now, especially is that uh, I've come, my characters become a little less like, you know, gung ho, fresh, bright eyed kind of thing. And and has gotten more into this whole like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. I heard that. It's, you know, like uh, I really feel like he's going through Vietnam right now. And it's cool because um, Chris Lindsay does a really good job of balancing heavy combat. I mean, we're talking, we combat like 
we only play for what uh, just under two, we get two hours, hours yeah. and we're combat at least twice per game like really heavy and role play mm-hmm. so that's actually been really fun we have a lot of role play <laughs> uh and that's what sig uh, neutron is our other counterpart he plays an albino dwarf he is on there my too. mentor mm-hmm. and he plays the my yeah so it's it's a party of rogues and monks basically uh and we just leveled so i think we just expanded a little bit but basically we have a seventh level monk a sixth level monk and uh two sixth level rogue cleric and rogue ranger that we just uh, got some some more beef to the party with. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. But uh, those are on Wednesday, right before we do Fury's Fate. Uh, those are on, that's at two p.m. on Pacific time, and Fury's Fate is at six p.m. Pacific time. Which, if you wanted to watch the Sirens, that one's on Tuesday, six p.m. <laughs> Pacific time. You see the pattern we're going for here. Mm-hmm. I got a question for for people who want to get into live streaming. What would you recommend uh, for how they which, how they should start? Um, get a webcam and just, just get going. It. Like the, you're going to learn so much uh, in your first few streams, your first half dozen streams. And just the more knowledge you seek out about it is, is really good. One of the things Satine and I like to do is uh, we like to teach live streaming when we go to conventions. We like to show people how uh, to work the cameras and which equipment we have and how we started and, and go through the steps with them. But that typically is its own two-hour uh or so panel yeah i think it's really important to understand where like at what level you want to stream mm-hmm. do you want to stream like maze arcana or critical role or do you want to stream like one grung above and uh, high rollers Those, that's really important to understand and also to understand how much time you are willing to dedicate to streaming editing learning you know so there's it's it's mildly complicated um, but also understand that you can just reach out to people and say, Hey, I like what you're doing. Um, what do you use? Do you use OBS? Do you use game show XSplit? You know, what kind of cameras are you using? What kind of mic? Just ask people questions that you admire. Right. And she wasn't delineating those based on quality. She was basing, basing that on the style, the visual imagery, uh, of, of how we do it because us in critical role, we're pretty much the only, uh, widely spread all in one room very specific camera styles. Uh, whereas you see uh, the easiest way to get kicking into it, especially if you have a bunch of people f- that are across the globe is going to be the standard roll 20 type uh, setup where yeah. you've got the talking heads. I honestly don't know if I could dungeon master. It's already hard to, to do that on our Patreon uh, for our friends on Patreon, but to do that re- on a regular basis uh, I I need people in the room. I need to be able to reach over and give my friend a high five and like <laughs> slap him on the back. Like you're ridiculous. Or like, yeah, throw energy food at is them. important. <laughs> uh, and getting you know feeding back and forth off that energy is really important. Satine and I, uh, I don't. I wonder what our characters would be like if we weren't in the same room when when we were playing with Chris uh, and them. I wonder what it would yeah, be like if we were not able to just kind of glance at each other uh, differently. Well, we're best friends. I already know what you're going to say. Okay, <laughs> so uh, then you must know that I was ready to move on to our guild adept stuff. Yeah, let's let's talk about yeah. that. So let's talk about um. There's a um, you actually, Rudy. You've written on like like five or six different things. I picked like three of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, uh, unless there were specific ones you wanted to talk about, like uh, you helped write on the ruins of Asari. I mean, was that really was that mostly yours? 
No, uh, that one I believe was mostly uh, Lisa Chen, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Will Doyle did some contributing on that one. Um, and I got to uh, most of the ones before we did either as a very large group effort uh, through the guild adepts, or uh, I was tossing on some things that were thematically helpful. Uh, so, for instance, Cesari, uh, I did some of the mechanics for the river. Uh, work. So, you know, uh, most of the rivers in Chult are stagnant. You got to push your way down them with poles. And I, uh, but it rains there quite frequently. So I figured every now and then there's got to be a flash flood. What happens when you're on the raft and there's a flash flood? So well, which, which ones are yours then, by the way, like we, primarily? Well, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of weird about uh, that in the sense that like, especially with the guild adepts, like we're doing those together. So, uh, with, as long as everybody's name gets on it, like I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care about the percentages as much. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. But the right now, um, we both had our own adventures come out for adventures league, mm-hmm. uh, recently seven dash three was mine. Seven dash four was the teens. And then this is my first, um, I'm the lead designer right now on Xanathar's Lost Notes to Everything Else. And I've got that with James Haig, James Intricasso, and uh, Rich Lescafield, um, who is, I can't not say his name that way, uh, who's doing layouts and stuff. But a, a lot of the other adepts, like Sean included, have, uh, and Satine have added to that, uh, whether it's with monsters or archetypes or et cetera. Uh, so uh, the. The D and D AL things. That's a, a day at the races, and then a walk in the park. Those are those are your two, which mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to reading them because I'm writing one of the later ones, so I gotta you know catch up. Uh, the um the the Xanathar's letters to everything. Well, what what's in there? What's that all about? What's going on with that book? Uh, there are over 25 additional player options that Xanathar uh, let slip out of his little eye stocks and uh, were rounded up uh, by some other specific individuals. And there are some notes in there from his private collection, but also uh, from people's reactions to what he had to say. <laughs> uh, Satine made a really awesome uh, addition to it for the urban dryads. Mm. Um so there's some, do you want to talk about the urban dryad? Can I? Uh, sure. I guess I'm in charge. So sure. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like <laughs> these creatures, like they live inside of cities, but they live in the cracks that you don't see them. And sometimes, you know, like dryads live in forests and they protect the forest. But what happens in the forest is decimated. It says they might go mad, right? Mm-hmm. Well, some of them don't go mad. Some of them become these really old spirits. Well, you have these really old elder dryads who um, attach themselves and uh, to these cities and they have basically like a a mini army of dryads who live in the cracks and the dryads with their long flowing ivy hair hide in the cracks of buildings and they have little minions these little um, sproutlings that kind of uh, help them navigate their neighborhoods so it's this fun little mini under uh, underworld thing that's happening beneath everybody's noses. Yeah, and they're really good at moving information back and forth for different factions. So there's opportunities there for players uh, or GMs to get involved with the urban dryads without them necessarily needing to be 
anything more than neutral or be yeah, uh, I mean, friendly or if the city's not. run by evil characters, then maybe the dryad's gonna uh, the elder dryad's gonna negotiate with them to right. save the nature in the city. So. Yeah. And then we have some DM options that are cool. Uh, they're going to be in there. There's going to be a little adventure that links Chultz to the next place. And uh, Sean, you actually had uh, a subclass, a uh, ranger subclass that ended up becoming two uh, ranger subclasses. Once once Rudy got a hold of them, uh, or one, they became two. <laughs> so you, know, you just had th- such good ideas in there. No, it was you who had the good ideas. I was just along for the ride. But what what has been your experience working with the adepts? Because you know you're talking about co DMing with one person and that being fun, but also challenging. So what's it like dealing with ten, eleven people? <laughs> ten, ten, eleven riders. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's been really great because we all have this spirit of you know share and build and make this thing make what we're doing with guild adepts as close to uh official as possible and and we've seen actually fruits come from that so far i think we're some of the only uh content that's been put up on the dm's guild that has become adventures league legal which is i think the dream mm-hmm. for every author that posts something they want their stuff to be you know legal um Will anything from what we're writing now become legal? Maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but we, if so, we'd be the first ones to break through with an archetype or uh, any other type of additional options that could be used there as well uh, that are outside of an official printed uh, supplement. Yeah, pack. and the great thing about the Guild Adepts is we are learning from each other. You've got people who've written you know, hundreds of adventures. And then people like us who are like, we have to put all of our adventures in our head on the paper. <laughs> Neat. How do we do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Sean, you've been a fantastic uh, mentor, if I may say so, in the sense that every time I've got a question, uh, you're not only uh, very thoughtful about the answer, but you're also very thoughtful to hear why I thought it would be one way or another. And if that seems to be an appropriate path to take, uh, encouraging me to figure out how to go about that instead of being like, no, this is the way it's done. This is how you're going to do it. Do it now. Mm. Yeah, we don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) that was also through, uh, I've written uh, basically two modules now, uh, one for Gen Con that was under your tutelage as well. Mm -hmm. So those were very great experiences for me uh, to get my feet wet and to understand how to write something that other people have to run. Mm. Yeah, that wasn't me. That was actually my cat walking on the keyboard, but I'll I'll take all the credit. (laughs) (laughs) That smells like humble pie in Um, here. Yeah. He doesn't want to be Mama Merwin so bad. He's like, it wasn't me. It was the cat. (laughs) Sean is one of the most self-effacing people I've ever met in my entire life. He never takes credit for anything. It's it's really kind of ridiculous, but it's it's very endearing too. Well, let me just say that he's written over 400 modules, so – Maybe he got tired of credit. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're sort of running out of time here. We, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, I did have a, another question. So, so Satine, you're working on a book, a uh, mirror into the maze reflections of a life well played. And you have a patron that goes along with it. Would you uh, like to tell people about, about that project and what some, what people can get for being in on the Patreon? Yeah. So <laughs> I have very intense PTSD and I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for over 22 years. I've been reading about it for almost 30 years. And 
yeah, that you can do the math. And um, I just felt like it was time for other people to hear my experiences on how Dungeons and Dragons has saved my life. And it hands down through, it is the longest relationship I've ever had. Um, it has been with me through the worst of times and the best of times and helped me uh, put myself in a public situation where I'm working with other people instead of uh, living in the fear of the PTSD that it creates and the depression that it creates. And so for mine, it's uh, heavy child abuse trauma. And it's the book isn't necessarily just about me. It's more of a workbook on how to. But it's also um, my best friend here is a veteran and he has his own kind of PTSD. And interestingly enough, ours is very similar the way uh, we process the traumas that we've been through. So the book is how I, Satine Phoenix, got through all these things and how it can relate to other people. And um, there's bits of Rudy in the whole thing as well. And how, you know, Dungeons and Dragons basically helped us through those really hard times. That is the book. And um, you can hang out with me on Patreon. I like uh, some of the things that you can do. I know it's really weird. I don't really know what you're supposed to do on Patreon. But one of the things that I love to do is discuss uh, philosophy and psychology and just histories, like human histories with people. So um, that is one of the things that you can do. I also teach art. Um, So you can donate uh, to Patreon and I will give you art lessons. Uh, We can go to coffee and have Skype calls. So that that's what my Patreon looks like. Our Maze Arcana Patreon. That one's a little bit different, but that's Mirror into the Maze. And Mirror, um, Mirror is the character I played in a hit with my ex. The live stream that we, or the web series that Zach and all of our friends had back in like 2009, 2010. And then Maze, Maze Arcana, the, the project, obviously, that Rudy and I are, have built over the last year. So it's about... Um, time in these experiences and these adventures that uh, overcome that that are these Dungeons and Dragons adventures that are so big in my head that they make most of the pain go away. Yeah. And we, we found that is a pretty common thread for uh, a lot of um, mental health, I guess, uh, issues that people uh, would have, would usually take something for. We're finding ways to get it solved uh, with, playing role playing and also uh we're noticing that there are a lot of people like uh, uh dr megan connell uh, who has a uh cr- clinical role game that she plays yeah it's called clinical role <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and so i know it's a, big help. it's a really serious subject but you know after making a bunch of comic books and graphic novels uh i felt like you know, I have enough experience that I, I can share this and I'm not afraid of sharing this. And one of the things that's important about PTSD is communicating with people mm-hmm. about PTSD. And maybe not, it's not something that I talk about every single day. And some of the chats with people on Patreon, we just talk about art or, you know, like on Maze Arcana's, I run, uh, I run games for right. the patrons, the $100 patrons. It's like, hey, Let's play in a game twice a month or once a month or whatever. Right. Right there, we run games. We put up lore. Yeah. Uh, some of the characters' journal entries or backstory uh, quirks, sometimes uh, mechanics for things to play test so that if you want to see a mechanic that we're working on for one of the modules or for 
uh, some of our Gale Bad App stuff, we'll put it there first for a playtest. So uh, you get to playtest some of the things that we're doing uh, and then help us refine it if uh, necessary. The truth is, is that Rudy and I just make stuff all day, every single day. <laughs> You've got the charity event coming December, December 9th, 9th yeah. Yeah. and like all these things that the Patreon is our way of, uh, you know, talking with people who are actually interested in the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, we have a very talking into the ether. <laughs> right. We have a very low threshold of entry for the Patreon. <laughs> and that way we just actually know you're interested and you're going to respond <laughs> as opposed to us just blurting things yeah. out into the world. Uh, but yes, CCD 20 is uh, December 9th. Uh, Xanathar's Lost Notes should be out in the beginning of December, uh, first couple days in December. And uh, we're super excited to be uh, teamed with both the Guild Adepts uh, for XLN, but also with Geek and Sundry for the charity, the event. charity event and all the celebrities that are coming out. Wizards is coming out with a bunch of stuff to help us uh raise hopefully more money than we've ever raised for reach out and read oh my god i'm actually really nervous yeah so i've never been nervous about it before really (laughs) yeah because it was just a fun thing we did at the comic shop because i like doing charity you know it's like my thing i've done it my whole life i was in a bunch of youth groups and like since i was 11 i've been running charity events so this is just a fun thing but now man oh my gosh it's gonna be on geek and sundry's twitch stream i'm like ah. It's still a fun thing. It's just going to be a lot of people watching your fun thing. No pressure. <laughs> no, you're right. Once the day happens, it'll be fine. But we're such producers, Rudy and I, that we definitely put our director producer hats on and don't see the uh, don't feel the fun until it happens in our faces. Yeah, we and we <laughs> have a lot of very direct. Uh, we, we've had you know we've run streams for multiple thousands of people, seven, nine, ten. A thousand people at a time. And that's something that you get kind of caught up in when you're in the middle of producing it. You don't realize that everybody's having a good time until you step back and you say, oh, that many people are here. Well, apparently something is going right. So (laughs) now we can kind of relax a little bit and and see what's going on. (laughs) And it's really funny because I'm just right now thinking back to drama club in high school (laughs) and all the stage shows and never in my wildest dreams would I think while I'm in high school, in 20 years, I'm going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends on a stream that has, or on a YouTube. The the GM tips have been getting like, I think Ivan and mine has over 120,000 views. Man. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> and and then- like the experiences that we're having at these conventions were People are like, I actually watch your thing. I'm like, no way, really? <laughs> <laughs> and being dubbed the queen of D&D by Time Magazine. That's pretty big. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's like really crazy and amazing. Amazing, yeah. (laughs) Well, when you have as much energy as both of you and when you create as much content as both of you do, it's an inspiration to people. So I want to thank you for inspiring me and inspiring uh, all our listeners to to create and to consume and to do do D&D. You're going to make us cry. Yeah, seriously, that's a big deal coming from you. Look at my face. Thanks, man. (laughs) Way to call me out. Well, uh, is there anything else, Sean, or should we should we move on to the ending? I feel like we're that's probably as succinct. Uh, we didn't really plug things per se, but that's as succinct a summary as we could probably get through in an hour. Yes, yeah, I've been with these two at conventions, and I'm surprised we got everything in an hour. Yeah, I mean, we could definitely gone in farther depth. These but. guys know how to talk. 
Yeah, that's a good thing. Just spent all of our time talking and working. It was actually like (laughs) the easiest interview I've been involved in in forever because I didn't actually have to ask any questions. I could have just sat here and been quiet the entire time. And because you guys went from topic, you folks went from topic to topic, like everything on the list, it just kind of went down. It was kind of funny. We're practiced hosts. I missed your voice. Yeah. I guess with that, uh, thank you both so much for coming on to the show and letting people know what, what is going on with the two of you and where they can get all this stuff. I'll have links to everything that we talked about in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go and check out any of these things, feel free to just go there and, and click on those links and, and be at those places. Um, with that, thank everyone so much for listening. I would do some Patreon shoutouts, but running out of time, so I'll do those next week. We have patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. We'll get there next time. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Download D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Or for $5 a month, you not only get a shout-out, like Rudy just gave, but you also get our pre-production show notes, and we try to give patrons extras on an every other week schedule. Uh, if you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review. Even if you're not listening on Apple Podcast, other podcatchers use Apple Podcast as their way to rate and rank shows, and that would make us more visible. So we'd appreciate you giving us that feedback. It certainly would. Uh, Sean, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on the Downward D&D G Plus community. How about you, Chris? Well, you can catch me at uh, Down with D&D or at Mr. Mark on Twitter or on the website where you can catch other great shows. Hey, uh, Rudy and Satine, aside from MazeArcana.com, where can people find you folks on the internet? Uh, you can find uh, Satine Phoenix at Satine Phoenix hey, on man. all the things. I wanted to say my thing. What are you going to say? I was going to say things after you say. Oh, well, I wanted to use the everywhere Satine Phoenixes are sold. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. So you can find me at Satine Phoenix on all the social medias. Um, You can find me. um, Thursdays are the release of GM Tips on Geek and Sundry. And uh, every Tuesday evening, twitch.tv slash D&D, Sirens of the Realms. And you can find me everywhere as Satine Phoenix is sold. Uh, but also Wednesdays uh, at 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. for One Grung Above and uh, Fury's Fate. And those are Pacific Standard Time, uh, as well as on all the social medias at Ruti with a T, R-U-T-Y, Woot, W-O-O-T. And uh, that's that's pretty much the gist, yeah. Yeah, but you know the the big the big website that we're on right now is celebritycharity20.com. That's right. That's where you should go. It's the charity is reach out and read, and it it's amazing. And you should go there and donate and hang out with us. Get books into kids' hands earlier. We'll make sure that some of them are D and D books. Childhood literacy. Yes. Sure. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Design. Sure is. So, buddy old pal, um, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some monsters. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?